What's up, everybody? It's Jeffrey Lyles. You are listening to Lyles Movie Files. Happy pre-Thanksgiving for those of you all who are out there carving up a turkey, steaming, smoking a turkey, or just getting a ham and calling it a night. It's Jeffrey Lyles and the gang. <laughs> anyway, we got, as usual, a bunch of stuff to talk about in the world of comic books and movies and everything else in between. So let's get started. Joining me today is little brother Jace. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Outstanding. Cheese, how are you, ma'am? Hey, what's going on, everybody? There you go. That sounded nice and hopeful and optimistic. So my man, Christopher Nolan, is sounding like a kid who is just tired of y'all. He doesn't have anything positive or anything nice to say. He's, he's over it. He's over you. Y'all not coming to the movie theaters, risking your life to see his movie. He's just lashing out at everybody now. So he was interviewed um and talking about the success of the dark knight trilogy and he said the version of that with batman had never been told we were looking at this telling of an extraordinary figure in an ordinary world that's true and i think if you look at the success of the marvel studio films a lot of that blueprint was kind of incorporated into their films just with the mentality of making it more fun and not so batman has to be the dark knight and retire for eight years terrible decision anyhow so he goes on to add the other advantage we had was back then way back in 2005 i'm editorializing that last bit was you could take more time between sequels when we did batman begins we didn't know we'd do one and it took three years to do it and then four years before the next one we had the luxury of time i.e. Wonder Woman 1984. That joke is no longer applicable, applicable, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, it didn't feel like a machine, an engine of commerce for the studio. As the genre becomes so successful, those pressures became greater and greater. It was the right time. Now, I'm going to ask you guys a question here. Now, I said back in 2005, that was when Batman Begins came out. Dark Knight came out in 2018. Or 2018, 2008, and then The Dark Knight Rises came out in 2012, and Dark Knight was one of the highest grossing films of all time when it came to theaters and had its big, huge box office run, but isn't he kind of the guy responsible for lighting that fuse? Because hmm. Uh, hmm. I, I, I was all set to say, you know, he's right on that regard, because a lot of the sequels, like, say the difference between Blade 1 and Blade 2 is, I don't know how many years, it's, it's a number of years. Now you have sequels greenlit before the first one. It doesn't even, I mean, is, isn't even in theaters now. Um, some of that is his, I mean, it's his, he's one of the main culprits of it, but it's, the fact is, it's like studios have said, hey, it's more expensive to make more m movies now. So we have to go with, with Surefire. Surefire going to make us money. And then we can have our little passion projects where our artists complain about, you know, not being able to tell good cinema and art, you know, because they, you know, there's all these comic book movies out. But as we see during COVID, comic book movies and blockbuster movies are what keeps the whole Hollywood engine going. So if your studio was like, this year right here proves 
yeah, this is why we do, we have to do that. We have to green light sequels as soon as possible to keep every, all the machine running. So he's, he's right, but I mean, it's on him. He helped, he helped them actually see, oh, this actually works a lot. Really good for us. Okay. But also when he started making Batman Begins, there were already five Batman films that existed before with Batman the movie, the two Tim Burtons, and the two Joel Schumacher films, or Schumacher films. And we had three X-Men movies, or do we even have three X-Men movies by that point? Because I feel yeah, like the first one was 2000. I'm to see the third X-Men movie if they watch Batman Begins. Well, let's see here. Last Stand came out in 2006. So there were only two X-Men films. Spider-Man films are pretty much on that same trajectory. There are already three Blade films. It's not like he revolutionized the game by taking time to put a movie out. Chief, am I wrong in thinking he's just running his mouth here to make his films seem more important than they were? Uh, what was the, uh, the Matrix had a trilogy too, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, we, you, you, um, I mean, you could, that's a different kind of genre because Matrix is more like sci-fi with uh, Star Trek, Star Wars, that kind of thing. Not so much the Severo. Well, you know, Nolan's kind of a big baby anyways. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit of both, you know. Um, and he's probably still a little salty that Tenet, nobody went to go see Tenet. Yeah, and I mean, he's sitting up here talking about how this big engine of commerce for the studio. But if that were the case, then why did he care so much about Tenet coming into movie theaters? Anyway, I, I just, this whole thing this year has been weird to me, and yeah. I'm thinking so, he's a little mad the fact that instead of talking about, you know, the success of uh, the Batman trilogy, you're not here to talk to me about how great Tenet was and how it, you know, was needed to be seen in theaters. I'm sure he was a little salty about that. I have 1 million percent done this in interviews where I've talked to people where I'll ask like five or six questions, you know, assuming it's a limited kind of one-on-one kind of interview. You may ask them one thing that gets all the headlines and that one thing, not that that's been the case with me, but where one thing, because, you know, people are like, yeah, yeah, who cares about (laughs) Tenet? Here's the cool thing. Here's the interesting note that everyone's going to care about. But to reinforce the whole thing of why Hollywood is needs their blockbuster films, Freaky, the kind of Freaky Friday horror massacre film with Vince Vaughn, repeated as number one at the box office. Fellas, how much money do you think Freaky earned its second weekend to top the box office? Freaky? Was it, was it in the movies? That's the, with Vince Vaughn? Yeah, it came out to theaters. It was in 2057 theaters. 2057 theaters, let's say $6 million. Okay, Chase, what you got? I got $600,000. Both wrong. $1.2 million. Hey, by Price is Right strategy, I still win. Okay. <laughs> now, this weekend... From last week and a year ago to 2019, Frozen 2 topped the box office. How much do you think Frozen 2 made? Opening weekend or two or three I don't later? I remember if this was, no, it was opening weekend. 
Oh gosh. Um, I'd have easily say 78 million, something of that nature. Chief, what's your guess? Uh, over the weekend, what, 75, 80 million? $130 million. Yeah. So Hollywood needs its blockbusters, and it's just kind of interesting that we're like, oh, we don't need these these movies. But I'm, it's funny, like, I'm sure now the uh, uh, Academy and Oscars are like, you know, yeah, maybe we need to actually recognize the movies that keep our business running. Because this, you know, us being all snobbish, like, oh, my gosh, this is art. Oh, my gosh, we can't recognize these films. Now it's like, yeah, you know, those films don't exist. Your industry's gone. I mean, I mean, you most of you guys got enough money to last, but the up-and-coming kid who goes from Idaho to California, yeah, he needs that blockbuster to make his movie. I mean, make his money. So. Yeah. So it's going to be very, very interesting how this plays out. I so wanted that, to see that movie, too, with Vince Vaughn. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mad. I was kept checking to see if it came out on, you know, Prime or something. I'm kind of angry that I didn't get to see it. Uh, I think it's on video on demand, too, Chief. It's not just relegated to theaters. Now, because of COVID and who the heck knows what's going to happen with next year's blockbusters, Kevin Feige and the gang at Marvel Studios are reportedly spending more time and focus on their Disney Plus shows which kind of makes sense. They're the new priority. They're the new baby. And the movies pretty much can take care of themselves now. WandaVision, there was some hope that it was going to come out in December, but apparently it's coming out in the end of January. Um, probably because they have enough stuff, enough content with a bunch of new animated films coming out and no need to compete with Wonder Woman since that's probably going to be the big thing on everybody's mind next month. It's probably a smart idea. But um, they've got a lot of stuff on the TV pipe. They've got Hawkeye. They've got Falcon and Winter Soldier. Early buzz on WandaVision is that it's going to be a really big success. They're going to kind of treat it like a modern family office-style sitcom. What do you guys think about that idea? Oh, boy, your face is giving it all away, Jace. Gosh, really? I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna. I mean, I'm gonna date myself, but seriously, the Office style comedy was interesting and funny 20 years ago when I was still in college. Like by the time Modern Family and all that got was done, everybody was sick of seeing that form. I mean, I I was sick of seeing that format. So even doing a Wanda vision with vision and, and maybe the kids who knows what they're going to do with that I, I would rather see something like a combination almost doom patrol weird just with wanda and vision because like they have a whole playground they can do i mean play with because kevin Feige said hey we actually limited um wanda's power in the mcu but she really does have all those powers she's supposed to have so Doing it something like in a just hey we're just gonna go out and you know in the neighborhood and all this other crap stuff no like get it to the point it actually can be this really good springboard but like we've talked about this so much like we are looking for this as this great springboard to uh, Doctor Strange and multiverse and I don't want to see 
kind of a office springboard to that. It's like that's I mean I find I think that's gonna be lame, but I I may be in the minority. Chief, is this gonna work or are you a little worried about it? Sitcom? Uh it's not how I envision it. I envision it something more or less Mandalorian style, like every episode they would get into adventure. Um Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know about a sitcom. I mean Oh, that sounds stupid. <laughs> okay. I mean, like, I'm wondering if they're, like, going to do, like, maybe, like, a, uh, was it House of M where she kind of goes, like, a little kind of off and basically, like, creates the world dominated by mutants? Am I right, Jeff? Or, oh, actually, Lana. Yeah, that, that's uh, House of M. It's one of those deals where I kind of feel like they're going to set us up. And this this whole however many episodes that sitcom formula plays out probably won't be the reality of what happens as the show's payoff happens. Because for all the stuff that we've seen with, you know, the very small things about Dr. Strange, there's been no mention of vision showing up in there. So maybe there's a reason for that. And that's why Wanda is having this sitcom life of twins with him. Who knows? But I'm curious and interested to see what happens with that one. Imagine um, a laugh track. I think there may be a laugh track, but I think think you should probably go in with an open mind that there is going to be more than what we the more don't take it at face value. So we've got a new rumor that uh Chris Pratt is going to join Thor Love and Thunder. Vin Diesel is reportedly on set as well. So it seems like we may get the Guardians of the Galaxy showing up in this Thor, uh, this fourth Thor film. And there's some possible thoughts that this could be an Avengers 5 style film with so many different members of the Marvel Studios cinematic universe taking part. In it. We already know we're going to get Valkyrie. So if all the Guardians are there too, who else would you want to see in this intergalactic film new or old character coming back i want to see darcy come back you want to see who darcy come back darcy is going to be in wandavision so i don't think she's going to be in this one i think it's going to be in outer space so we may not have to worry about that too much Uh, okay um i mean uh, yondu is dead so i mean maybe the guy who's running the ravagers again him come back. I mean, I mean, actually, you know what? Maybe Sylvester Stallone and um, Michelle Yu, I mean, since they are the Ravagers. I yeah, I was trying to remember, but Sylvester Stallone's apparently going to be part of the Suicide Squad film, which doesn't necessarily mean he couldn't do both. But yeah, Sylvester Stallone can say, "I'm here today, and I'm going there tomorrow." Everyone says, "Okay." Sure thing, Rocky. I mean, Mr. Stallone. All right, Chief. How about you? Who do you want to see show up in this thing? Uh, I don't even know, man. Uh, well, guess we can't have the Black Panther. I was thinking that, you know, maybe this is an opportunity to have uh, Rhodey, War Machine, pop up. He's a powerful enough character that he could do some damage in outer space. And he can go toe-to-toe with whoever they have. And it's a way to get him out of Iron Man's shadow where he's just kind of operating on his own. Not that that's 
been his case all the time, but interacting with different characters who he normally doesn't talk and hang out with. Who, who was uh, Glenn, What was the name of Glenn uh, Paltrow's Iron Iron Man outfit? Rescue. Rescue. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, Rescue will show up. <laughs> That'll be interesting if she comes in and makes some appearances. Could be. Now, apparently, they're going to be working alongside. Um, they're shooting this the same time as they are Ant-Man 3, which is also supposed to have some have a pretty extensive lineup of characters along with Captain Marvel 2. Yeah. Just, I mean, I'm wondering if, like, a, that's like a, well, no. Ant-Man 3 is probably going to have Cassie. Uh, does she get powers in the cart in the comic book? Yeah. Okay. She, you know, she gets growth powers. She calls herself self-stature. Okay. So. Yeah, that's what you should know. <laughs> I, I do know, but I didn't want to, you know, I know from a video game versus more than a, you know, a comic book, so. Right. So we got that. Right. I like to I like to go back and forth, apparently, with this, because I have no sense of great show structure. But George Clooney was talking about his performance in Batman and Robin. And he said... The only way you can honestly talk about things is to include yourself in the shortcomings in those things. Like, when I say Batman and Robin's a terrible film, I always go, I was terrible in it. And But, but also because then it allows you the ability to say, having said I sucked in it, I can also say that none of those other elements work either. You know, lines like, freeze, freeze, true. A- absolutely 100% correct. I don't think that George Clooney was terrible in that film. Though I think it was a terrible, awful movie that no one could have looked good in. I don't think any actor could have made that movie work. Am I wrong, or was Clooney just terrible in it too? Okay, seriously, who's watched that movie more than twice? Who's watched I, that movie more than once? I could, I, I mean, like even just for science, I cannot watch that movie. It just, I can't do it to myself. Um, if they did a riff track on it, I would watch it though. Yeah, the Mr. Science Theater guys did it. I, I may do it, but I might have to do that with a podcast watch along. I mean, that movie's horrible. Um, it's, it, I mean, it's like, we, we all say it's like, you look at it, it's like, George Clooney could have been a perfect Batman. Chris O'Donnell was probably too young, old to play a Robin for his Batman. That looks like, hey, some random dude. You want to, hey, you want to dress in tights with me? That was way too weird. Um, Okay. Um, Alicia Silverstone, I don't, I mean, they just kind of, hey, we're just going to throw in Batwoman. I mean, Bad Girl. It's like, this is just going off the rails really too fast. Um, Alfred dying in the, I mean, in the middle, like, because he's Alicia Silverstone's, I'm sorry, what was he? He was her uncle instead of, per, I mean, Gordon being. I can't believe you even remember that much. Oh, she, is there some actor that could have salvaged that movie, or is it just as terrible as I remember? I think Jason enjoyed it. He came with a whole bunch of details. I was like, damn, that's right. No, you have to know what you hate so you can tell other people not to do this thing. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's like 20 years ago, Jace. That's a hell of a memory. Oh, gosh. I didn't even remember any of that. Yeah, it's like, if, if you want to ask me what was wrong with Batman and Robin, I mean, no, what was that? 
Batman Forever? I can't tell you because it was just moderately bad. Batman and Robin was epically horrible. So I, that's ingrained in my memory of how bad it was. Oh. Okay. All right. Well, we got that knocked out then. Uh, you sent me this earlier. Dave Chappelle told Netflix, hey, take my show off. I'm not happy with this. I'm not getting any money from this. And because Netflix got this deal rolling with Chappelle for four years now, they were like, yep, it's off. It's done. And we're out of here. What do you guys think about that? Wait, they canceled the deal with Dave Chappelle? No, no, no. They just took the Chappelle show, the old Comedy Central series, off because he was like, I'm not getting paid for any of the licensing. Let me read what Why is it? Let me read it. So he posted on his Instagram, when I left that show, I never got paid. They, Viacom, CBS, didn't have to pay me because I signed the contract. But is that right? I found out that these people were streaming my work, and they never had to ask me. They never had to tell me. Perfectly legal because I signed the contract. But is that right? I don't think so either. That's why I like working for Netflix. I like working for Netflix because when all these bad things happened to me, that company didn't even exist. When I found out they were streaming Chappelle's show, I was furious. How could they not? How could they not? How could they not know? So you know what I did? I called them and I told them that this makes me feel bad. And you know what they did? They agreed and they would take it off their platform just so I could feel better. That's why I F with Netflix because they paid me my money. They do what they say they're going to do. And they went above and beyond what you could expect from a businessman. They did something just because they thought that I may think that they were wrong. And I do. I think that if you're effing streaming that show, you're fencing stolen goods. Now, the Netflix no, deal is I, not I, exclusive. The show is available to stream on CBS All Access and also licensed on HBO Max. So now what do you think, Chief? You signed a contract. <laughs> like, you know, they always, they always give me what that shit. And then now you have a bad feeling because they're showing it and you're not getting paid. Well, that's on you. That's your fault. So the rest of us can't enjoy the Chappelle show no more because <laughs> you 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 messed up on the contract. Like, how is that? How is that? How is that the rest of our fault? And if uh, Netflix pays Viacom for it or whatever. And they, they, you know, they allowed Netflix to stream it or whatever, and then more people see the Chappelle show, and in turn, that becomes a bigger audience once you drop. Like, you know what I mean? You'll get new people seeing your, your show, and then once uh, you decide to drop another comedy joint or renew or whatever, there'll be a bigger buzz behind you. I just don't, like, imagine being able to call somewhere and get that to change because you're not comfortable with it? Like, I wish I could call. Hello? Is, is this the CEO of my company? Yeah. Listen, I'm not comfortable with my pay. I don't <laughs> like it. I'm going to need you to change it. Uh, I need a $10 increase. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, five weeks of vacation. No, no, no. Ten weeks. Okay. <laughs> well, I want to make you happy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
What about the contract you signed? Nah, let's not even talk about that right now. <laughs> it's, it's just, I don't feel well about it. You know? And Dave is the first dude who will make fun of people on the Me Too movement. You know what I mean? Um, in the Me Too movement, a lot of times it's just about people who made other people feel uncomfortable. <laughs> right? I mean, I think that, like, the whole, like, in, the, in an essence, the, the move people who don't like something somebody else did and are speaking out against it. So how are you going to, on one hand, make fun of people who speak out against things they don't like and then go ahead and do the same? <laughs> so, Cancel culture. You know geez. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's just, you know, you was a big baby with that one. I mean, listen, you, you know, especially when it was your fault. Because for real, for real, um, Viacom or CBS would have gave you anything you wanted had you come through with that third season. You could have changed the contract and got, uh, you know, changed the, the language of the contract and, uh, you know, did what you needed to do to get the residuals off of that. You 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 went to Africa. You know what I mean? So... I don't know what they want to, you know, I don't know what you, because sometimes that happens. Even in the, in, in, in the, you know, uh, I hear musicians all the time. I don't have my masters. I don't have my masters. Well, the record company took control, took, you know, took a chance on you. They didn't, they didn't give you your masters, which I think, I think, technically, I think as an artist, you should have your masters. But if you didn't, then if you're fire and it goes time to renegotiate that contract, Get them to hand you their the masters. Hey, oh, I, you know. That's what Taylor Swift did. I mean, she's like, hey, y'all, you want to take my masters? Hey, I'll just re-record them, make some more money off them. So, so what's your take on this, Jace? Um, I'm I'm in 100% agreement with Chief on this because it's like the I they're like I and I'm not I'm trying I will try not to get too loyal. One is one, but Which means he's about to get super lorry, Chief. Ah, yeah, I know. This is like saying but and don't believe everything before but. Uh, but there was really, like, you had an option on your contract to say, hey, all future licensings, I get a cut of. Because, you know, I mean, it's it, like every other thing on Comedy Central was going to go to CBS products. So out of that $100 million deal that you signed, they, you, it was a lot of pressure. We understand, hey, well, we all, I mean, 20 years ago, we gave you crap on it, but it's like, now you, you say, oh, well, I didn't get a cut out of it from Netflix. It's like, Netflix is paying you a very healthy sum of money, and she rightfully says, it's like, you use, use your older platforms where you're not getting a cut on to, hey, I, I would like to get a cut on every view of, of Dave Chappelle on, after this next contract. There's nothing to stop you from doing it. Um, I mean, I, I mean, it's not like he was, and I don't think he had to give back. I mean, I was not part of litigation, but it's like, I don't think CBS had to give him all his money back for that contract. It's like they paid him for that contract. Um, I mean, especially for those first two seasons, plus that third season that did not happen. Um, so it's like, Dave, I understand. I mean, I, you got some pull of uh, Netflix and use it. If you have it, use it. But for me to say, you know, gay Netflix on that, it's like, 
not, I'm sure there are people on Star Trek who aren't getting paid, you know, for what they did in 1960. So I don't really have that much sympathy for you on that regard. So two things. This is why I still buy digital, or not digital, that's why I buy physical media. So if somebody's like, I don't want this anymore, oh, there's something offensive that somebody found offensive, we're taking it off of our platform, I don't have to worry about it. I can just walk over to my shelf and get it. And I mean, Netflix, I'm not bashing Netflix, but Netflix just takes stuff up whenever they decide, or if their license deal expires, and if I'm just banking on them to have it, I'm screwed. And this is exactly why I don't just say, oh, I'll just get digital and everything. Because I'm not trying to get screwed over. Second, I am 100% for people who are screwed because they signed a contract they didn't understand or they just got messed over because they were young and just didn't have the right people around them to be like, this is a terrible contract, don't do it. My problem always comes when that same person who's bragging about their money or, yeah, I got paid. I mean, there's a couple on Instagram. He's like, yeah, I was better than those old cats at the club. I mean, right away. It's like, no, no humility, right? And like with Jay-Z was like, 50,000 ain't nothing to do like me. I said, no more money for you, Jay-Z. I'm good. I don't care about your complaining about stuff, your exclusive, anything. At that point, cool. You've got enough money. You're good. You don't need any of mine. So I don't feel bad about you not getting money from the streaming thing. I feel like even back then, there was a, you know, I was reading about a wrestler, Raven, who had a bit of a foresight to be like, yeah, I want my money for royalties for all existing and any future technology that could use my likeness. So that would cover streaming even though no one was thinking about streaming when he signed that contract. Mm -hmm. But he made sure to cover himself. And I feel like you've seen the rise of tapes, CD players, MP3s. You know, if you're signing a contract at this point, you got to understand there's going to be something else coming out that you're not accounting for. And your legal team probably should account for that when they whip up your contract or they review the contract. So, yeah, I don't feel I'm, I'm with you guys. Um, Enjoy the millions that you're making right now from Netflix, Dave. And yeah, that that's pretty much all I've got on that one. Now, normally we record the show and we're right on top of everything. And then we have a good show and then we find out, oh, man, something big happened right after we recorded. Of course, we were able to be right on time with the Wonder Woman 1984 news. Then, of course, the next day, the news comes down, CW is canceling Black Lightning with season four. And it was like, of course it is. Um, but it seemed like Jennifer, uh, China Ann McCain, uh, who plays Jennifer, was planning to leave this season anyway. She wasn't coming back for season five if they had it. And she was only going to be in season four for a limited amount of episodes. Wow. She posted on Instagram like, yeah, I wasn't planning on sticking around anyway. Um, the cast knew and everybody who I was close to knew I didn't have a problem. I was just planning to leave anyway. So and she was basically implying that it was more a thing where she was annoyed with Hollywood. 
all of this is an illusion. This industry for what it is and everything that people look to and praise is not important. She's been pretty outspoken on social media since the pandemic. And um, yeah, she said that she was only going to be on for a limited number of episodes. And uh, yeah, she's just done with Hollywood. There's been a lot to happen over this quarantine, and I'm not talking about the PC side of it. These people that are dying in the way the, of the world now, it's real. And all that is an illusion. The industry for what it is and everything that people look to and praise is not important. She said she is doing God's work now, and I'm not doing anything else. And it was not due to any tension with the network or the show. What do you guys think about this? Black Lightning is done. And this was the only CW show that had a black lead predominantly black cast, captain for the culture, whatever you want to say about it. And I thought it was pretty quality throughout. And it's going away. What do you think? Uh, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not actually happy about it because I thought season uh, three was a rebound season uh, for it. Um, like I said, the second season was rough. But season three really, especially towards the latter half of that, that was so good. And I mean, I was like, I mean, I know if you guys listen to the podcast, you heard me pressuring Jeff to like listen um, to, to, I mean, to watch the show. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was like, oh, gosh, this is so much better. And for it now to be getting canceled on, on the fourth season, it's just like, y'all should, I mean, if you wanted to stretch out a season, you're like, you should have canceled Arrow in season seven, but you can't stretch out, I mean, go to five seasons. You let, I mean, you can't even let, Black Lightning gets to 100 episodes. Um, when I think that show should have, I mean, did definitely deserve that. Um, like, I, I mean, Supergirl, we've, we've, we've mentioned our, our issues with that show. And they stressed that out past, I mean, it's lifespan, I think. Um, to, to get rid of the only black superhero show, I'm not really happy with. I don't know. Like, once this is over, it's going to be, uh, Batwoman, which now will have a black lead, uh, Flash and Lois and uh, Superman and, and Lois, maybe. That's, I mean, it's like, if there was probably anything, I mean, I mean, DC, I mean, Legends, I don't watch that anyway, but it's like, I would probably be cutting back my viewing based on that decision, but it's like, well, it looks like you guys are all going to wrap up either next year or, I mean, like, this year or next year, all of it's going to be done, so I don't have to worry about it too much. I mean, maybe maybe Lois, uh, Superman, Lois sticks around, but I don't think the rest of them stay around like two more years after that. Chief, what do you think? Um, I'm saddened by this. Uh, no more Nafisa. Um, you know, the story arc was going well last, especially last season. Last season was. Was, was was damn decent. Um, I don't know, man. Um, I guess I should have seen it coming. You know, I just uh, maybe Netflix will pick it up, uh, like they did Lucifer or something. If there's a big enough outcry, um, I don't know why they did what they did, man. I. I don't understand it. I mean, what season is Supergirl going into? Six, I think. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about that. And then let's see why Black Lightning didn't make it. 
Uh, you know, it just doesn't make sense. But what are you going to do, right? Um, it's a shame, though, man. It's a real shame. Black Lightning was on, on the, you know, I thought it was rising. And, and like I said, man, uh, I was enjoying the story. Last season was pretty good. So who knows? I'm sorry to see it end. Now, um, uh, now I'm sorry. Do you guys think, and I was having a discussion with one of my buddies on this, the first episode of Black Lightning got trolled really bad based on, like, you know, just online reviews. Do you think that stopped its growth potential? Because people are like, oh, it's, you know, it's this kind of show, so I'm never going to invest in it. I think Black Lightning was very unapologetically Black. And I think for people who want to watch a superhero show without quote unquote being preached to, Black Lightning would be a lot. And then for people who are like, I don't like black people and I hate the fact that they made a show about black people. Ah, that was another audience. And um, I think some of it was just for me, I wasn't like, oh man, I need to watch Disappointment TV because I want to watch Black Lightning. I didn't want to watch Black Lightning and Family. I wanted Black Lightning to be different than the CW formula and um, I wanted more of a Arrow season one, two with Black Lightning as opposed to the we've got a fully fleshed team, everybody's here, we're doing our thing. Um, there's this comic book that came out today, The Other History of the DC Universe, John Ridley, and the first issue spotlights Black Lightning and his take on the growth of superheroes in the DC universe. And he's seeing it from an outside perspective. And then it's like, whoa, I have powers now too. Why are they coming at me telling me I shouldn't try to protect my people in the streets? What the heck is wrong with them? It's a really good read. And that kind of resonated really strongly, especially now. And I feel like Black Lightning rushed to do like all the other shows. I'm like, hey, let's make it about the family. Let's make everybody a superhero. I think they could have done that superhero or family drama without making them all super powered. Like, I know Gunner was super excited. Like, yes, they're all going to have power. I'm like, That's the problem because all the, everything is going to revolve around everybody having powers and their different relationships in the context of their powers. Mm. So um, I think you had that kind of working against it in the fact that they were, that was what this show in the Arrowverse at that point where that formula had been very well established. And if you were just tired of that CW format of superheroes, even though it was a black show, it probably wasn't going to hold your attention. Mm-hmm. So I think there was a lot. The reviews, I think people are like, eh, whatever. These are just, I mean, that happens because people are just trash on the internet and want to bash black shows. But um, I don't think people take that too serious. Okay. All right, last thing. So John Boyega had a conversation with Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy. And he talked about his issues with the franchise. And this is what he said on the BBC. So I got on a phone call with Kathleen Kennedy, and she verbally showed support. And we got to have a really nice, transparent, honest conversation that is beneficial to both of us. 
I think these kind of conversations, you can go into the realm of sounding like you're just trying to save your own career. What is great now is that it's a conversation that anyone has access to. Now people can express themselves about this knowing that any character we love, especially in these big franchises like the Marvels and Star Wars, we love them because of the moments that they're given. We love them because of those moments and the heroic moments that these producers all decide for these characters. So we need to see that in our characters that are maybe black and from other cultures. So yeah, he was very outspoken and just kind of was like, yo, y'all did a super bait and switch with the Force Awakens, with Ray actually being the force sensitive one and Finn just kind of being the guy to yell for Ray. And I like that he spoke up. I'm really glad that you know he's he's trying to go out there and lay a, a path for anybody else who is uncomfortable with how their characters are treated and can go to the head of the studio or the directors, producers, and be like, listen, this isn't cool. We need to do more. Because, man, it is, you know, it's funny just because as we're seeing more with the Snyder Cut, how marginalized Cyborg and, to a lesser degree, Flash were in uh, Josh Whedon's kind of cutting, slicing, and dicing of Zack Snyder's original vision. What do you guys think about what this means going forward? And do you think we will see any changes in these big budget franchises? Chief, what do you think? You know, I mean, I don't, you know, you remember when the 90s movies came out and they used to have the uh, Camp Army Loves and the so on and so forth, the Jennifer Love Hewitt and all them, and they always had the token black guy in there, uh, the <laughs> new guy. And, you know, they 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 stopped, quote, unquote, giving you that token black guy like they used to, but they mm-hmm. still give you, uh, they still give you like a black dude who they bring in under the pretense that he's going to be somebody. And then he still turns out to be nothing. So, um, yeah, I, you know, like I said, you don't get the token black guy anymore, but you still, but you will get that, uh, you know, yeah, we're bringing in so-and-so, so on and so forth, but he's not really anybody. You know what I mean? And, uh, and John Boyega was a perfect example in that Star Wars. You know, he, they brought him in and, you know, Ah, uh, yeah, but he, and what did he do? He rode through the casino on the back of a, a, a donkey, a donkey kangaroo or something. Like, like that, that was like the longest scene he had. It just didn't make sense, man. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think he's right, but like, I think they just dogged him in the role. So, but did it change? No. I mean, I don't think it'll ever change. Uh, I think I think you have to get on a. You have to start picking scripts because you, you do. I I hear them, but you read the scripts. You're in the you're in the rehearsals. You know that you're not doing nothing. I think people have to start picking scripts where their character means something, and you're not signing on just because. You know, it's it's gonna be 
or it's going to be this or it's going to be that. You're signing on because your character has has meaning. There's there's a purpose. And until, you know, black people start, you know, doing that, we'll, we'll continuously get, you know, they'll continue to be upset over these parts. You know what I mean? Yeah, I took the part I shouldn't have. You know, well, yeah, you probably shouldn't have. But you did. You know? All right, James, what do you think? Uh, I love this. I mean, there's there's just going to be some people who are more outspoken about stuff they find is wrong versus folks are going to be like, I guess I can. I I need I need to pay rent, so I'll take this slave role. I'll take this thug role. I don't have that. I mean, I can't tell the studio this role doesn't have enough meat for the minority characters. I mean, like John Baega. I don't know when he decided to get this. I, I don't know enough about his life, but I mean, I know now he's got a deal. Of uh, the basis says, hey, I think it's with Netflix where he's basically like, yeah, I'm producing movies about Nigerian culture, and it's like, okay, yeah, you you've earned. I mean, your work before earned you that, but I don't think ten years ago he would have been able to say, well, Star Wars, I think you guys should give me a bigger role versus Ray and Kylo because I'm the guy who's on the poster with the lightsaber it's it's it, it i mean it's, it's just a, i mean it's a power dynamics like somebody tells you hey would you like to eat tonight or would you like to you know be in a slave role i'm thinking most people are going to say i'd rather eat. i mean i'd rather eat i'd rather pay my bills um marvel's i mean marvel's a good one they they're trying they're doing good i mean, I, I feel they're doing good by everybody uh, um i star wars I'm hoping on the next vote, when they actually decide to bring more Star Wars movies back, they take his suggestion star. Like, they don't do that bait and switch that all of us saw. I mean, we didn't, we, I mean, it's like, if I, and I even say it's like, if we saw the poster uh, that they had in China where Spin is like this little small person with the lightsaber, but BB-8's big, we might have actually been like, wait, there's something wrong here. There's something off here. <laughs> We saw this big black, this dude with his lightsaber, like, oh, we got a black Jedi, cool. And then we get, he's just like everybody else, and they've basically made it so everybody can wield a lightsaber by the end of it. And then on the third fold, hey, I'm force sensitive, but I'm not going to tell you in the movie. It's like, it was just such crap. And I'm hoping, but I'm hoping more, like, now after what we've done with in 2020. Studio heads and execs are listening more and will choose to go in a more positive direction. I hope that is what they do. I don't know if they will, though. All right, I'm going to try to limit my bashing of this sequel trilogy to 30 seconds. Ooh, give yourself at least a minute and a half. All right. I don't think anyone was well written in that, except for maybe possibly sort of kind of Kylo Ray Ren. Um, not everybody had a terrible story arc. Everyone was treated like trash. I think that what John Boyega said was 100% right about the bait and switch, but everyone was treated, written terribly. They didn't understand that they were going new or old and the switching of directors who kept fighting with their ideas of what was important, what wasn't important, just utterly capsized the entire sequel trilogy. And people liked it awesome. I didn't hate it and have nothing to do with those films. 
my thing is um, to get into that room to be the guy in the Star Wars film is it's probably more important that he had that conversation with her than anything he did on screen because I think they're going to view like like us who don't care about those films won't revisit them but maybe that next one will have more impact maybe um the issues with minority representation has helped have more minorities on the Mandalorian and any other subsequent Star Wars films or shows because Grief Karga and Moff Gideon are two important characters in the saga and they've got plenty of screen time and featured. I mean, that last episode really made it seem like we're going to get a Grief Karga spinoff, maybe with Gina Carano's Cara Dune if she's not too busy on Twitter. Um, so yeah, lots of possibilities, lots of potential. Hopefully that's what the new future of Star Wars becomes. Marvel Studios is already working on figuring out a way to incorporate Ironheart, who is the black teenager who designs her own suit of Iron Man armor. So they are continually looking for ways to be more diverse. We've got uh, Miss Marvel coming, first Muslim uh, female superhero. We're going to get in a Marvel Disney Plus series. So lots of reasons to be excited about what they're doing and who they're showcasing. And it's not just the same old, hey, it's a white guy crew. So that's good, encouraging, and hopefully we'll see that in the next few years. Now, it's that magical time of the week, fellas. Who's your nominees for Dummy of the Week? Chief, you got one? Uh, do I have any Dummy of the Week this week? Uh, I think, I don't know if it was this week. I didn't get to speak last week. But uh, my Dummy of the Week last week, which kind of carried over this week, they're still talking about it, is the <laughs> the firing of offensive line Mark Colombo uh, for the Giants. Um, so offensive oh, line coach? has been underperforming that's, all year. That's the coach, right? Huh? That's the offensive yeah, line coach? coach. Okay. Offensive line coach. So they, uh, they've been uh, struggling all year. Coach Joe Judge, the last three weeks, have been working with him. And when he worked with them, they improved over those three weeks. So he brought in another guy to help out. He wanted to put it in there and, and, and you know, kind of help with Mark Colombo. And then from what I understand, Colombo got pissed, blew up at him, had a few choice words for him, and Judge had to end up firing him. And, uh, the verdict is that. fired. Yeah, I just, I just I just had to laugh, man. I'm like, damn, dude. You know, it's rare that offensive lineman gets fired mid-season. Offensive line line coach gets fired mid-season, but uh, yeah, I guess that's just the dummy of the week. Sometimes you just gotta shut up and let you know get paid the rest of the season, and then find a job in the off season when you can leave without being labeled, you know. I mean, because, you know, I mean, they're getting good money. I, I don't understand, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, I thought he was. Uh, I thought it was pretty stupid of him to to, to, to get in a verbal uh, match with, with, with his boss. Yeah, not the move. Jace, you got one? 
this one's kind of this one's kind of rough because you know it, it messed with my childhood. But my dummy of the week is one Mr. Ricky Schroeder. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, I love Silver Spoon when I was a kid. You know, I, I should I actually enjoyed him in you know Twenty Four for his you know his his little. Doyle, Doyle was terrible. He was a trash character too. Yeah, well, like, you know, I mean, he's like trying to get out. Like, dude, what are you doing? You're fired for this. Yeah. Should have known when he decided he was going to choke out the Muslim woman, though, Jace. You know. Known. You know, that was probably a little precursor to, to his life. Um, But the reason why Misty Ricky Stroder is the dummy of the week to me is because he helped with the bail fund for uh, that uh, murderer in Wisconsin. Um, to help him make bail. Um, you know, he paid $150,000 for that murderer to get out of jail. And honestly, that now makes it so I don't mess with any of that dude's work. Uh, so I'm sure I'm not the only one who's done with that dude. So that is why he is my dummy of the week. Nice. Well, I don't really have a good one. I do want to say that I got some feedback on the show, fellas. Um, one of our listeners said, stop with the intro music. Get on with the content. So, yeah. Whatever. Maybe I'll put it music in extra long this week. But, yeah. <laughs> so that that was mine. Um, but, fellas, that's it. I'm thankful to you all for always riding with me this year, especially this crazy year. Thank you all for listening out there. This episode of Lyle's Movie Files has been filed.